Amwar makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Amwar, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for new-to-use styles. Now, I mentioned on the podcast recently that I have been pregnant or breastfeeding for four and a half years, and that season of my life came to a close recently, and I was like, I forgot I can wear normal clothes again that don't need to be breastfeeding friendly or constantly changing in sizes with a postpartum body. And so now I'm left with trying to figure out, well, what do I wear? What is my style? I can't even remember. And styles have changed so much in the last few years. And so I've been having fun experimenting with different types of clothing. And I love that Amoir has allowed me to try some different styles of jeans and kind of step outside my comfort zone and figure out what I love, what works for my body type, and to not have spent money on things that I was like, "Mm, actually, this doesn't work after I wore it a few times and realized I don't really like it. And so it's been a great opportunity for me to try out some new things and help me to define my personal style. And I also love that the style quiz, the different suggestions that they gave after I took the style quiz, it was right in line with what I would want to wear. And so I have just loved this service and I would love for you to get to try it out and get a great deal. Right now, my listeners can give Amwar a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit amwar.style forward slash crystal. That is amwar.style A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash crystal to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Amoir today. This episode is sponsored by Byheart, and I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in and all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. 
Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mother of four, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of The Crystal Payne Show. Jesse and I are recording at a time that, Jesse, I don't think we've ever recorded a podcast at this time. No, we have not. <laughs> it is about 6.45 a.m., and so if it sounds, or if our voices sound differently this morning, that's just... Somebody hasn't woken up. <laughs> it's just because I'm still waking up and I have morning voice. The other day I was doing an Instagram story early in the morning and someone said, you sound completely different. Did you voice over that story? And I said, no, that's just my morning voice. So <laughs> we get morning voice this morning, but we're going to talk today about four strategies to stress less. And these are really what have been carrying me through the last few weeks. On the last episode, we gave you an update where we've got a lot going on around here and we are learning how to care for a medically complex, sweet little boy and learning lots of things that words, phrases, terminologies that were completely foreign to us three weeks ago. And also just we're still in the middle of launching my book and we have four other children. And uh, speaking of which, we have a pretty big update for our oldest, Catherine. She got her driver's license. So the same week that my book launches and we have the stomach bug and we are, you know, had just right up. It was a week and two days after we had um, said yes to fostering our sweet little boy. She had planned to get her driver's license and gratefully she didn't get the stomach bug. That was the thing I was worried about because you had had that appointment mm -hmm. scheduled for... Oh, we had it scheduled, I think a month and a half in advance. And she was so looking forward to it. And so then we, when we had the stomach bug that week, I thought, oh no, oh no, I do not want her to have to reschedule that. But she passed with flying colors. Mm -hmm. I wasn't there with her because Jesse, you just went mm -hmm. with her. Um, but yesterday we finally got word that everything was squared away with the insurance. And so she went off driving by herself. It feels very weird. She was like, mom, mom, where are your keys? Okay, <laughs> I'm leaving. I'll be back. And I... It was weird because I wondered what that moment would be like of your child just driving off in the car by themselves. And honestly, I felt such, it was just kind of this fun moment of, you know, she's made it to this and she's a very, very thoughtful, careful mm -hmm. driver. And so I think that there was not that fear that I might feel with, I can imagine at least one other child of ours, <laughs> I'm probably going to have a little bit, I might follow them in the car behind them, although keeping a distance when they drive for the first time. But it was just, it, it was this moment in parenthood of like, wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's kind of a milestone that people look forward to or dread. 
and she's doing a really good job. Like you said, she's very thoughtful. I'm not worried about her being a good driver at all. I taught her well. And Oh, you're going to take all the credit? I mean, I I I had some lessons with her too. <laughs> I taught her how to what not, not what be not a, to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, yes. But anyway, speaking of the car, this is this is a great segue. I I actually have oh, a no. I actually have a good segue here. We got a message from someone. This is Aaliyah. Aaliyah said, I thought it was funny that your intro was brought up. It was on episode 111 that she was commenting on because she said, I laugh a little every time I listen to it. Not because I thought it was you voice acting it because someone had asked, were you the one that voice acted it? But because I always think it says whether you're folding laundry in your car. So at the beginning, it talks about, I don't know if you've even heard, you've heard the intro, I think, but because you always do the edits before they add in the intro, okay. but it says whether you're in the car, folding laundry. And so apparently I needed to have a little bit more, encourage a little bit more of a break for the voice actor because she said, it sounds like whether you're folding laundry in your car. The first time she said it was a little confusing to me. My thought process was I do a lot of multitasking, but never have I folded laundry in the car. <laughs> That's funny. She said, lately, I've wondered if you've changed the timing on the intro because I feel like there's more of a pause. I can hear the comma now, but maybe that is just me getting used to it. It makes me smile every time. So what I want to know is that thought never crossed my mind because when I wrote out the intro, I see whether you're folding laundry, comma, or in the car, comma. And so in my mind, those two would never collide together. <laughs> but maybe a lot of other people have been feeling that way too. And so if you have thought that as well, send me a message. I'm super curious. So email me at crystal at moneysavingmom.com. Jesse, what's saving your life this week? Well, we are in taking care of our new foster child, having to do a bunch of new things that we never thought we would have to do, didn't know how to do it. One of those things is the G-tube and he has to take medication in the G-tube. And I'm like, how, you know, this oral medication, how are we going to do it to the G-tube? And actually, I don't know that they would give, uh, you said oral medication. It is a pill. It's something. a pill. It's so a pill would, that you swallow. So they wouldn't probably be giving a pill to a baby. You're right. <laughs> I just thought we should clarify that. That's true. So the directions are to dissolve the pill in water and put it in his G-tube. And I'm like, how do we need to dissolve it, for one? And I went through so many test runs and iterations of methods of trying to get it in the syringe without losing any pill, with getting all the water in, and ran across a pill crusher. And it is been a lifesaver for me. I mean, what would have taken like, <laughs> don't laugh at me. It, it would, would probably take like 20 minutes to do. It's down to five to 10 minutes. No, less than that. Well, you're probably including also feeding, just getting everything ready, and putting it, it in, right? feeding it to him through the juice. So I'm, you know, crushing the pill in the pill crusher and then adding the water into the pill crusher. So it dissolves in the crusher and then syringing the water back up, and it makes such little mess. It's amazing. Well, it's just interesting because Jesse and I were talking about how 
you know, these things that you never thought of, but okay. So they prescribe this little pill that you're supposed to then dissolve in water and then put in a syringe and then put in the G tube. And it sounds so simple, Mm -hmm. but then you think about how do you crush that little pill and get all of the pill dust into a syringe without getting the pill dust on the counter or whatever. Yes. And because you get it all in the syringe with water and it's just, it's, it's at least for us who are very um, inexperienced in this, it feels pretty complicated. And I told you, I said, there's got to be somebody who's devised some sort of system for how to do this, because we are definitely not the only people that are trying to do this. And I have seen a really cool video that uh, somebody takes a pill, puts it in a syringe with water, a little bit of water in the syringe plugs the end of the syringe and somehow the pressure of pushing the syringe plunger into the water while it's plugged explodes the pill in the syringe. It's, it looks really cool. I need to try it sometime. But. So we never thought the pill crushers would be saving our life, Very but, true. but they are. And I would also say what's saving my life is the fact that he has an effusion pump and we're not having to syringe all of his food into him because I know that a lot of families when they're dealing with a G tube, they are actually syringing it all in. And since he has six feeds a day and he has to eat quite a lot at each feed because we're trying to get him to gain weight and it has to go into his little body really slowly. That would be a lot of time mm-hmm. spent holding a syringe with his formula in it. So mm-hmm. I'm really grateful that insurance and all of that was able to work that out. So we have an infusion pump for him, which by the way, I didn't even know what the word infusion pump was <laughs> when we said yes to him. I actually was on the phone with the pediatrician and she, I was asking some questions and I said, you know, what is that pump thing even called? Because I don't think it's called a feeding pump. And she's like, it's called an infusion pump. So anyway, we're learning a lot. What's saving my life this week is just doing the next thing. There's a lot going on with media and interviews and still running a business. And there's a lot with, you know, our four bio kids. And then there's so much that we're learning with um, our sweet little boy that, by the way, we decided to call him baby D online. So sweet little baby D and, um, there have been many doctor's appointments, many phone calls, meetings, just a lot to get him settled into his care and get everything figured out about what his care protocol needs to look like going forward, what doctors he needs to be working with, um, what needs to be regularly checked, figuring out what is a good feeding schedule for him, um, increasing his feeds, just so many different things. Plus just learning about Down syndrome and cleft lip and cleft palate and, you know, G-tubes. There's just uh, those areas. There's a lot that we need to learn as well. And so I have just had to focus on do the next thing, Mm -hmm. but do the next right thing. And there are a lot of things that usually would be happening that aren't happening in the sense of the house has been messier. Meals have been super simple and sometimes it's been have some cereal or fend for yourself, find something. But to give myself that grace and permission to be like, I can't do it all. So I'm just going to focus on doing the next right thing and trusting God and trusting his sustaining of me and knowing that 
He has called us to this and he will equip us for it. And, you know, if I had looked four weeks ago, if I had known what the next four weeks were going to hold, I would have said, there's no way. There's no way that I can do all of that. And I can't in my own strength. But God doesn't give you strength or grace for future. He only gives you grace for the present. And so just resting in Him and trusting Him for today, for not the next four days or four weeks, but the next four hours and four minutes, and just camping there, I truly feel like that's given me so much peace. And I'm going to, when we talk more about stressing less, I'll share more some of the strategies that have been helping me. But that's really what's saving my life, just doing the next right thing, as Emily P. Freeman says. Jesse, I think you have a book update for us. I do. Last podcast episode, I had mentioned that I had been reading the same book for quite a long time, which is not rare for me. But the next episode, I thought I was hoping that we'd have a new book for you. Well, lo and behold, I do. And I didn't, when I said that, I didn't have anything planned. I was just hoping that I would get through that other book. And we had one come in the mail uh, the other day that was uh, book three of a series that I started reading um, that had been sent to us. It's the Shepherd Suspense series by Andrew Huff. This one is called Right Cross, and uh, all of the books have cross in the name. So um, I started that yesterday and am looking forward to reading it. So. I'm I'm impressed. Way to go. And I guess thank you to Andrew and his book publisher for yeah. sending you the the next. I, you I didn't wasn't know. expecting it at all. <laughs> you didn't know yeah, it was great. coming. So the perfect timing. My book that I wanted to talk about is one of the only books I finished in the last four weeks. And it was an audio book. And it was called Before I Called You Mine. And it's by Nicole Deese. And it was a fiction story. I thought the first part of it was really great and very engaging. I didn't enjoy the second half as much, but it talked about adoption and it was a failed adoption and processing through the emotions of a failed adoption. And, and I, I'm the, people who are adoptive parents, um, maybe I'm using the wrong terminology, but basically it was that the woman in the story was supposed to, she had gotten the documents and was supposed to be adopting this child. And then something messed up with the computer system. And it was, they had given the documents for this child to two different families. And the other family was the one that ended up getting the child and adopting it. So maybe that's not called a failed adoption. I don't know for sure. Maybe I used the wrong terminology, but whatever it was, it was an adoption that, you know, she planned and gotten so excited about, and then it didn't end up happening. And just her processing through the emotions of that loss. And I think because of what we walked through with Champ and saying goodbye to him, and it's that whole grieving the living sort of thing. Um, And I just, I really related to it. And I felt like anyone who wants to understand the adoptive world better or who wants to be able to walk with someone who is adopting or someone who has, you know, was planning to adopt and then the adoption didn't work out and the emotions there, this would be a really beneficial book to 
um, read or listen to. And plus, it's much easier to read. If you're not a nonfiction reader, it's a great fiction books because it's a great story, but it also helps you kind of step into the world of someone who is experiencing something that maybe you have not experienced before. So again, that was called Before I Called You Mine by Nicole Deese. Four strategies to stress less. Before we dive into these, I think, Jesse, we should back up a little bit and talk about maybe where I was six, seven, 10 years ago. <laughs> um, it, can you imagine the last four weeks? Uh, no. Where I was, the, you know, 10 years ago? No. I wouldn't, there's no way. Like, I would not have been able to handle it because I was kind of constantly teetering on the verge of an anxiety attack or teetering on the verge of losing it in the sense that I feel like I was just sort of barely keeping it together. Mm -hmm. And one, you know, a few little things could just set me into a really bad place. And by that, I mean, feeling super panicky, feeling unable to just do normal life stuff because I would feel so overwhelmed and anxious and stressed, just really, really stressed. And God's done a lot of work in my heart, especially I would say the last five years. Um, there's been a lot of deep, deep work that has happened Um you know, getting to the root of where is this coming from and why am I constantly feeling on edge and stressed? And, mm -hmm. you know, I could, I could keep it together in most situations, but you knew at home how I wasn't functioning mm -mm. well a lot of the time. And anything that was out of the ordinary or that felt a little bit scary or uncomfortable, it was just, in a sense, almost too much for me. And there were times when I literally felt like, you know, I remember feeling so stressed that it's like, and this sounds weird, but like I'd be driving and just think, you know, about just like driving my car off the bridge or sticking my head in the oven or weird things like that because you felt so much panic and it just felt so out of control. And a lot of that, I do feel like having three kids in less than five years and postpartum depression and multiple moves and financial stress and, and all of that. So there were a lot of things that kind of, it was the underlying stress. So then little things would be kind of what would set me off. But here's what I want to share. And Jesse, I'd love to have this conversation and you share your thoughts as well. And these are four things that for me have made such a difference. And I want to preface it by saying you know, everyone is different. So this might not work for you. And if you are feeling that constant stress and you're, you know, I don't want you to just feel like, well, I need something is wrong as in I'm not trusting God enough or something like that. Because in, in some cases there is a, you know, a medical something or other that's going on that needs to be addressed. And, you know, maybe there's a deficiency in something or, you know, medication or therapy or something like that is needed. And so I just want to preface it with saying that because I don't want anyone who is very different than me to feel like, you know, you just plug these things in and this is just going to work for you mm -hmm. as well. 
But I do feel like in many cases, stress is, you know, more of a surface thing that is indicating underlying issues. So we'll get into that. But first off, for me, recognizing that in most cases, stress is a choice. And that is a bit bit of a controversial statement. But when I realized that no one can make me stressed or angry or sad or happy for that matter, it really changed my perspective. Stress is my response. So I can't always choose my circumstances or my situation, but I can choose my response. And my response is my responsibility. I was with Caitlin. I got a couple of things to say first. I was with Caitlin yesterday uh, at, we were going skating and in the bathroom, they had painted the wall of the bathroom and it had a saying on it. And I wish I had taken a picture of the saying because, and, but it was just awkward taking a picture in a bathroom. Especially in a men's restroom. Yeah. I mean, I can see but that it in also, a women's restroom. Well, it also was in the women's restroom because the women's restroom door was open. Oh, okay. I was going to say, how did you know it was in the women's restroom? Yeah. Anyway. Um, but it was on, on brick. It's kind of industrial looking. And it said, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond to it. Mm. That's botching the quote, but basically that's the gist of the quote. Mm-hmm. And which I thought was, was really good. But when you were saying that, Stress is a choice. I was thinking, I disagree with that statement in, to an extent. Living in stress is a choice. Stress is not a choice necessarily. I'm, but I think living constantly in that stress is a choice. Because you can be in situations that are stressful that are caused by somebody else. Okay, so I think this is where people struggle with when I say that. And I think it's because it is... Stress is what I'm viewing as your response to a situation. Okay. Right. So like I would say where I'm at, where we're at right now is a stretching right. situation. And so if I choose to make it, like I choose to respond out of fear and frustration and out of, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more and get underneath the surface. If I choose to respond out of that, then it becomes stress. Does that make, does does that help you? So, because a lot of times people think of stress is like, it's what's done to you. It can be. Well, no, 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 no. I I, I see what you're saying. It's not what's done to you. That is, that might be what is creating the response of stress in your life is somebody else's action. So stress is a, a natural, normal physiological response to something happening. Mm -hmm. Now, what your choice is, is whether you're going to, if that's going to be a very momentary thing, which can be a good thing, like Mm -hmm. in a fight or flight response, or whether you're going to live in that. Mm -hmm. And your, your body, your body is not made to constantly be in that uh, state of stress. It's supposed to be a temporary thing that you get out of, not that you live in. Because your heart can't take it. Your cortisol levels just go through the roof. And so if you're constantly living in that, think of you're you're constantly pushing. It's almost like like the syringe under pressure that explodes that pill that we were talking about. 
it's not meant to be a, a constantly um, putting that pressure on on that pill. It's going to explode, but just in a short period of time, it's it's okay. Okay, well, we might, does that make sense? We might disagree. I um, hope that we don't lose power here. I know soon. there's lightning now. Um, we might disagree a little bit on that, but I think it's it's semantics. But I think the second point will help a little bit mm-hmm. in clarity. I just think it's good to to define where I was coming from yes. in making that statement. But I do think that so often we say, you know, they're making me so stressed, or he's making me so angry, or mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And it's like mm-hmm. when we, it's like we're 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 a victim of our situation. Right. You're not and, a victim, you know, and. If you live in America and you can listen to a podcast, probably you're not in a situation where, you know, there are victims of horrible things like sex trafficking and that sort of thing. But in normal everyday, you know, if you are living somewhere where you can listen to a podcast and that sort of thing, I just feel like most people are, you know, we are making ourselves a victim if we say that someone else is making me this. Definitely. And so that's it's just a it's just a a changing of how you view things yep. where it's like stress isn't it's not done to you. To response. So secondly, see stress as an indicator that something is out of line. So for me, and again, we're just talking about me. Mm-hmm. Um, let's make it all about me. No. Um, <laughs> I mean, that sounded really bad, but I just want to clarify because this is what works for me. And hopefully some of these things will help you as you process through things, but I'm not saying everything is, you know, everyone's different. See stress as an indicator that something is out of line. Instead of just assuming that stress is a normal, unavoidable part of life, view it as a warning flag or a check engine light. So for me, when I start to feel that tension rising in my chest, and you know, it could be if you're in that victim mentality, you can just think, here we go again. But I've started to view it as this is an indication that something is out of line. And so for me personally, usually it's an indication that I am not relying upon the Lord. I'm Mm -hmm. trying to control and micromanage a situation in my life. And so that's where I say it, it's a choice. Yes. I have a choice to try to, you know, bubble wrap and micromanage and overprotect and swoop in and fix the situation and think it's all about me. Or I have a choice to say, I'm not resting in the Lord here and I need to reframe and refocus mm-hmm. and let go. And so seeing stress as an indicator that something is out of line, that's been really, really helpful to me. It's a warning flag to stop and pay attention. And so number three, when I'm feeling that stress coming on, to ask myself, what am I feeling? So really stopping and paying attention to my body. What am I feeling? Where am I feeling it? Why am I feeling this way? And where is this coming from? So instead of just being, well, I'm so frustrated because the house is a mess and the kids are not listening to me. Going much deeper than that. Okay, why am I frustrated that the house is a mess? Why am I frustrated that the kids aren't listening to me? Because so often we just stop there. Like we can, we can identify mm-hmm. this is our frustration, but we're not going 
deeper. We're not going below the surface to say, why is this frustrating to me? Is it because I feel like a good Christian woman keeps her house clean and has obedient children? I mean, that's a big statement there. But a lot of times we put these things on ourselves that cause the stress for us because we put a right. heavy weight and burden on ourselves of who we're supposed to be, who we should be. And those shoulds and that's those supposed tos, they rule our mm-hmm. life and our mind and they cause us to have so much stress. And we think that other people are putting that stress on us because they are expectations, what we think are expectations of other people when they are just suppositions of expectations mm-hmm. of other people. Yes, that was deep. It was deep. Um, Sometimes I will say it might be an expectation from someone else that we need to personally set a boundary Uh around saying they might expect that of me. They can't control me. Yes. Like that's, that's their issue. Mm -hmm. You know, if someone is putting an expectation on you that you don't need to carry, like it's not your responsibility to make that person happy again. Like if they think it's your job to make them happy, that's dysfunctional thinking. And, and that's a, you know, where you have to set some boundaries there. Um, I think so often when we talk about stress, it's, it's the, it's our nature in the world we live in to kind of be like slap a bandage on it. So you'll, you know, it's like, Oh, self-care, let's eat some ice cream and, you know, watch some Netflix and take a bubble bath and take some deep cleansing breaths. That never crosses my mind. Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm speaking for women right now. <laughs> Maybe for you, it's, you know, I'm, I think for men, it might be like, go for a run or go golfing or, you know, go to the gun range or something, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. but we're slapping a bandage yeah. on stress instead of doing the work to dig into what's underneath our stress and to unearth that and to process through that. So we don't just keep going back to the same feelings of stress over and over again. If we don't ever address the root, the root is still going to be there. Mm -hmm. And so you can clip off the weeds at the surface and keep clipping and clipping and clipping and clipping. Gotta keep growing back. But if the root is still there, it's not going to get resolved. And so then once I've identified the root cause about my stress, and like I said, for me, it's usually that I'm trying to control or micromanage something. I'm not resting in the Lord. Then asking myself, what can I do about this? So sometimes it's a simple thing. I might need something like, I just haven't been getting enough sleep and I need to take a nap. And so it might be something practical. You know, that might sound like a bandage, but I do think it's important to recognize that Sometimes if we're not taking care of ourselves, little things can feel so much bigger. And so it's, you know, yes, addressing it practically, but then also addressing it at the root, which is, you know, maybe we need to verbally process this with a friend. Maybe we need to ask for help, you know, and say, I'm really struggling with this. Can you help me? But for me, one of the best things is to stop to set my timer for a few minutes and to take those deep breaths, but not just take the deep cleansing breaths, but to literally verbally release the tension I'm feeling to God. And I did this just this past week. I was feeling really uptight over a situation. And 
it was some, it was interesting because it was a little thing that had triggered something from years ago in my past that there has been some trauma around and it just kind of set me in this space of feeling anxiety that I don't usually feel Hmm. anymore because of so much deep, you know, hard heart work that God's done in my life in the last five years. But I went back to that space and I felt that tension and I felt that shortness of breath. And I realized in that moment, I'm not trusting God with this situation. And I'm feeling, I'm jumping to, I need to micromanage this. I need to fix this. And so I stopped and I just allowed myself to acknowledge that and just took deep breaths and then verbally released it to the Lord and telling him out loud exactly what I'm feeling and how I'm scared or worried or concerned or upset about a situation. And then to ask for his help in that situation, I said, you know, God, this is what I'm feeling right now. And I know this is not the right response. And I need your help in this. Help me to remember what is the truth and what what do I need to own? What is the truth? And what was so interesting is I was able to then get to that place of peace. And sometimes I have to do this multiple times. And sometimes I'll get to that place of peace and then I'll go back to that place of anxiety and then I have to do this again. But usually if I just stop and acknowledge and ask myself, where is this coming from? Why am I feeling this? What can I do about this? And then just releasing it to the Lord this weight lifts off of my shoulders because I'm no longer trying to carry it on my own. And the most interesting thing was in this situation, I thought it was going to turn out to be this pretty bad thing with this other person. And it wasn't that at all. And so their text that kind of set me in this trajectory of feeling this stress that was from this trauma in my past working through that and processing through that. And then when I actually ended up meeting with them, what they wanted to talk to me about was completely different than what I thought it was going to be. And so I just kind of had to laugh because I could have spent, you know, the time from the time I got the text until the time that I met with them, I could have spent that entire time completely in this space of overwhelm and tension and stress and anxiety and worry and playing out the worst case scenarios. Mm -hmm. But instead for me to say, whoa, this tension rising in my heart, this is an indication something is out of whack. I'm trying to control and micromanage this situation. I'm playing it out to worst case scenario. I'm not resting the Lord and verbally processing through that and Mm -hmm. getting to that place of peace. And then it wasn't at all what I even thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And it was completely different. And it was, you know, and so I just thought, how much time do I waste or have I wasted worrying about something, being in this stress-filled space about something that isn't even true? Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to share how I'm learning, what I'm working through, what works for me, and what has really helped me, especially in this season of life where it is very stretching not stressful, just stretching, what's helped me to have that peace 
for the most part. And then what to do when I feel that tension rising in my heart. I'd love to hear from the rest of you. What helps you when you start to feel stress? What helps you when you are in a stretching season? Send me an email, crystal at moneysavingmom.com. Jesse, any final parting thoughts for us? No, just that um, a lot of these things that you have discussed is exactly how I've gotten over my stress and anxiety over medical issues. Mm -hmm. I mean, especially the, the last one, it's, it's actually, it's amazing. And we did a whole podcast talking about your anxiety and how you process through that and work through that. So I think for people who have are experiencing anxiety or worry or that tension, that would be a great podcast for them to go back and listen to if they haven't. So we will link to that in the show notes. As always, if you have any question on any topic you'd love for Jesse and I to answer on a future episode, or you just have feedback or suggestions, or you'd love for us to change something or do something different, we love to hear from you. We love your emails. And so you can send an email to crystal at moneysavingmom.com. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of the Crystal Pain Show. Have a great week. And remember, you can't always choose your circumstances, but you can always choose your attitude. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com.